Welcome in to Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Trucial and Seth Coggin. An oddly optimistic Seth Coggin after the doink heard around the world, as Ugh. we saw this past weekend. Seth, uh, I, know, I know you said you're not going to take too much time, but I'm, I'm going to pass it over to you. B- break down the game for me a little bit and then get into your uh, yeah. yeah. Um, nothing could have prepared me more for a heartbreaking, just devastating, painful L, fat, huge fat L right on my forehead than my entire life leading up to this Saturday's game. I have gone down. Okay, so just let's break it down to even as a student. All we do is lose games in just stupid fashion to AM in Dallas. Like they've won 10 out of the last 11 games. I guarantee like, – Nine of those have been one possession games that we just somehow find ways to lose. It's like a curse. It's kind of like Tennessee has a similar history with recent history with Florida, probably even a little bit longer where it's just like somehow, even when you should win the game, you have the better team. You like have made more plays throughout the game. It's like they somehow pick a wild play out of their butt and just, and beat you. And it's just, look, I've been taking those L's for a while now. It, it really doesn't phase me. It doesn't change my opinion of who Arkansas is as a team. I watched Arkansas control most of that game. Uh, I watched them be in a position to really almost put that game away in the first half. Arkansas could have could have come close to finishing that ball game. It started it started just as I had imagined. Like everything, it was a concerto. I felt like everything was exactly coordinated to how it was supposed to be. Their offense didn't get a single first down on the first four or five possessions. Um, Arkansas was up 14-0 before they even got a first down. We were up 14-0 before they even got – like, we were on it, on everything. So, they break loose one 80-yard play, which is a bit – I mean, you know, they hadn't had a single first down. Their first first down was an 80-yard run, you know. So, they kind of of get a little something going on offense for the first time. Right after we had a chance to go up 21-0, we were driving. uh, We had three, like, kind of – minus or neutral plays um, kind of three almost trick plays that we ran in a row with our backup quarterback who is incredibly fast and who could be a weapon if you you know if you give him the ball in space he is a weapon Um, but anyway kind of tried to get him involved three straight plays went backwards had to end up punting from like our own you know pinned him on the three but then all of a sudden they boot, they rip off an 80 yard run and all of a sudden uh, you know they just get the ball run a little bit. But even after that, we just drive right down on them again. I mean, we were pounding them with the run. They could like they just couldn't stop it. KJ was he was finding open guys. We had schemed them open. Drive down on the two yard line, first and goal from the two. We're driving. There's about three minutes left in the half, maybe even just a little bit less. We're driving to go up 21 seven. Um, they got and just. Completely in control. Just, I mean, all fats is the game. We've been the better team. And then KJ kind of on first and goal. So that's why it makes it even kind of more brutal, like so unnecessary. But he, as KJ has done in the past, he plays, he tries to make a play, reaches the ball out, pops off a guy's helmet right into an A&M's player's hands, down the sideline. He even gets bottled up at the 40, but he passes it off. Just, a, I mean, a crazy this is college football. Like, like it sucks when you're on the other end of it, but those are the type of chaotic plays that make this sport so awesome. Like 
it's it hurts so bad when you're on the other end of it um, because they do Gibson really changes the game. We're up, we're about to go up twenty one seven. Instead, it's fourteen thirteen. We uh, have to punt, or actually, I don't even know the half ends or something. They get the ball first and second half score again. You know, we were about to be up two touchdowns, just controlling the game, and all of a sudden it's tied, and they get the ball coming out of half. Um, just a huge swing. What uh, a true time when one play made a ma- like you take out that play and it really the game legitimately probably has a different trajectory. Um, but that's football. That is football. Uh, I don't feel any worse about the Razorbacks. I think they controlled the line of scrimmage against AM a little bit. Kane had some good runs, so need to get back to that. But like losing a game hurts, but it doesn't make us a worse football team. Like it doesn't actually give us a worse opportunity to beat Bama this week. So that's where we that's where I we do, gotta turn our focus. Here, I gotta stop you real quick because yeah. I gotta ask you this. Cause it, it was yeah. it was asked to me or it was pointed out to me by a listener. Yeah. A couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, yeah, they noticed and I I didn't even notice it at the time, or maybe I didn't think much of it. You did label the Arkansas Razorbacks as quote elite. Yeah. Do you still do you still feel that way about the Arkansas Razorbacks? Uh I do feel pretty good. Uh I feel great. Arkansas is still one of the best teams in the country. I have no doubt in my mind. Um we just we just took one of your t- most talented defenses and just manhandled them. Only came away with 21 points, but, you know, you miss a field goal. You fumble at the one-yard line. You punt from the 35. Like, you know, controlled the ball. I, I have no concerns of this team. You did you did just play the most talented team yeah. on paper, we, yeah. technically. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've been a hater on Texas A&M, but, I mean, we just went toe-to-toe with some, some Goliaths, <laughs> some absolute just beast of men. And we, we, I still think we came out pretty good. Uh, no one really got hurt. Look, we're going to toe up again with, with you know, this is back-to-back weeks with the teams with the most talent in probably Georgia in the country, okay? Like, back-to-back, we're, we're prepared. We're ready. We're battle-tested, and, and we're very hungry now. Like, now there's no slipping up, but there's also no pressure. Like, you know, if – I feel if, like if there's a little pressure. Wow. Okay, tell me why there's pressure right now. I mean, for Arkansas. Well, if you beat A and M, then you still have the game to slip up on with Alabama. Yeah, I but think. Alabama's our main competition. Like, yeah, but like Al- if you want to win, if we want to win the West, if we want to win the West, Alabama's our main competition. Yeah, so, so we, it's pressure. more important to beat them than A and M. Yeah, but if not, we no, lose, it's like, not. It's not like Nebraska where you have literally nothing to lose. Like there is something to lose if your if your goal is a West title. Yeah. Yeah, but the only way to not lose it is to gain it by going out and beating Bama. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Like we've already lost. We've already put ourselves out. We, there's no real margin for error. Okay, just no, okay, I kind of get that. I can kind of you know, understand that. It's like, yeah, if you have that kind of mentality, well, we be, you know, we could lose to Bama and still bounce back. But who's gonna beat Bama? We're the best chance to beat Bama. Texas A&M is not <laughs> not walking through that door. Tennessee Texas might A&M. be the best. Chance, the best uh, Tennessee at home. home, I could I could see that. Yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a big test. Um, well, and if you beat Bama, you have the tiebreaker on them. Exactly. That's See, we need, that's what I'm saying. All right, we need well, the tiebreaker no, with Bama. That, we don't yeah. need the A&M, A&M is 9-3 team to me, maybe. Good team, but their offense is so limited. Uh, Max Johnson didn't turn the ball over the other day. Um, you know, credit to him. That's uh, what they but, need right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what they need. started I mean, they against can't... App State, I think they win yeah. that game. Maybe, maybe. Um, you definitely think they might have a better chance, but, uh, but he's still, he threw some ducks. Like he threw even one of their touchdown passes was just a back foot lob that you just gotta think is intercepted. Um, so yeah, he's not know, every, he's not great by any means. Yeah. That's for sure. 
but they'll still win. A, they'll still win quite a few games uh, in the SEC just because they, they do have. A, I mean, they have a solid team overall. They just got good players that um, I still don't really believe in Jimbo as a coach at all because I think those players are capable maybe of a lot more. I think he might be holding them back a little bit. So I'm still going to find a way to slight Jimbo just a little bit. But uh, uh, anyway, that's college football. You take one brutal L and, you know, you get on that plane, you bounce back, you got practice Monday, and guess who you got coming to town? Alabama. That's true. The home champ. Game. The champ. They're coming to our house. See, that, that, I think that's what has hit Razorback Nation extra, extra tough this week is if Arkansas wins that game versus A&M, you know, no matter how it happens, there it's a top, you know, we're probably at number eight, number seven in the country. It's a top, you know, top 10 matchup at home. You know, you probably get game day coming in. You just get so much more hype around the game. People probably believe in you a little bit more, um, you know, to, to pay, take the up. So let's just say Arkansas wins that game. Do you think the line opens at seven, like 16 and a half at home? Like, Against Bama? It's, like, like you... it's like a perception thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying we would have I'm, – I'm, I'm just saying it probably is like, I don't know, 13. Like if, if Arkansas is number seven in the country. Um, you know, Honestly, I don't even think it would be that high. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, right. So, I see what you're saying. Okay. Like to me, yeah, losing sucks. Like it hurts so bad. But like I got family coming. I'm excited to go to the game. Like it don't change. Like I'm, I'm pumped for the Razorbacks to get a chance. Like even if they beat A&M, all, still all they get is a chance to beat Bama. So we still got the same chance. They're still on the schedule. Like it's not the playoff. We we don't get to not play Bama just because you know we lost the week before. If we had played terrible, you know, but somehow got lucky and found a way to beat A and M, I'd feel worse about this game. Like I I still feel strongly about the like I think we have a very good team capable on off like capable on the offensive line especially to really control the game. Um, so look, we got to shout out the champs. We got to shout out the champs. I know Georgia's technically the champs, but in the SEC West, Bama's the champs. Um, got a shot at them in our building, and it'll be rocking. Um, I'm riding with the Hogs, man. I mean, losing losing's tough, but everybody's done it at some point. One out of the you 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 go out there and you play. Okay, there's only two teams that line up, and one of those teams is going to lose. Okay, it happens. So let's go make it not happen next week. Who's I the? Said it, uh, I said it. Hey, I said it to you guys last week, and this can be our segue into Tennessee. I said, do not, do not, you dare walk into Neyland Stadium and do not believe that the Vols are walking out of the win. Like that—that's my—that's my message for Razorback fans. Like I don't care. Have zero doubts walking into Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium that the Hogs are walking out of there, and we will, we will be victorious. Who, who's the uh, who's the toughest team on the schedule left for the Hogs besides Bama? Oh, our schedule's brutal. Like, just an absolute week after week. So, after Bama, we go at Mississippi State. Tough one. Yeah, it's tough. Good yeah. good squad. Um, and then we go – the next week after that, we go at BYU. Just, just an insane stretch. But, hey, you beat Bama, you win those two, and look at where the Hogs are at. I mean – You're back in the top – probably oh, close to top easily. five. You're top – you literally are probably about top five. But rankings don't matter. Yeah, you know rankings mean nothing. Home I mean, games nothing, on Saturdays versus nothing matters rivals. until the playoffs. That's what matters. Well, the the you know the the pain of defeat. What is it? The thrill of victory, agony of defeat. So I felt some of the agony of defeat, but uh, but the Vols on the other side of the pendulum 
had some of the sweetest thrill Oof. of victory. So I want to I want to hear I want to hear about, about that. Yeah, that Trisha, you want to take it away? Sweet, sweet gator tail that uh, we took a bite out of this past weekend. Trisha, you want to? Yeah, go ahead. You can break it down if you want. Yeah, it was uh, some sweet, sweet gator tail. We took a bite out of this weekend. Um, good Lord, was that game fun to watch. Uh, Hendon Hooker, he's already up to number four now in the Heisman odds at plus 1,600, tied with Stetson Bennett. Um, and he put on a performance, didn't turn over the ball. Defense showed out when uh, we needed to show out. The game was a lot closer than it needed to be, though. Um I mean, Hendon Hooker was making plays with his legs. Uh, he, I believe he led the team in rushing yards. Um, had that massive, like, I want to say 40, 50-yard run, uh, breaking out of a sack and then just directing linemen downfield, making blocks for him was uh, an absolute beauty to watch. Cedric Tillman was uh, a little missed, but we saw Ramel Keaton make one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in college football history. I don't know if you guys caught that one where full extension laid out 50 yard bomb absolutely snags it. Uh, so the offense stayed right, uh, right where we expected it to be. And um, the game ended up coming down to a Florida hail Mary, which uh, I don't know if you guys remember in 2017, um, a missed holding call. And then Florida Gators hail Mary was completed successfully uh, to beat the Vols, which was really tough, but yeah, so like they the recovered weir- the weirdest hail Mary too. Like the fact that he threw it and the guy caught it on the run, like that. Yeah. I feel like I've never seen that in a hail Mary. No, no, uh, you don't get to see that too often. Usually, it's a tip, and then like somebody just stumbles jump ball. Through it. Yeah, yeah. So like something crazy happens usually. Like for example, the Juwan Jennings um, catch the uh against georgia something like that crazy happens jump ball um never really know it was a big win it was one that we really needed um i honestly didn't think we were going to win by 10 and a half which uh the vols ended up favoring so i i thought that was a little bit too much because the florida tennessee games are always always crazy but yeah, I get this text from my buddy that's like, what is going on, guys? And I look at the score on my phone, and it says 38-33. And I'm like, how did we get to this point? And they get it right, and then throw the Hail Mary. They don't get it, thank goodness. Because I was good with however the Vols can dub out of Florida. <laughs> I'm with. Like, I'll take it. And it was a – seriously, that was a program – win for Heupel to basically be able to come in year two and beat Florida where you know one out of the last 16 years that's happened huge win for Heupel and just I mean it, it was kind of nice too because all these Vol fans that were so high hype and thinking we were just going to crush them like 40 to 10 I was like all right guys let's yeah I knew it was going to be a close game here. yeah like it, it always is yeah but I mean awesome effort yeah Hooker I mean, that's a Heisman-type game, honestly. Being able to beat a rival like that and you truly are taking over, especially with Cedric Tillman out. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is, I mean, he had his safety blanket gone. The the one guy that he knew he could always go to, uh, he had to make use of some players like Ramel Keaton and 
uh, some guys that weren't necessarily big time superstars are going to catch that 80 yard bomb and get a, get a touchdown. Jalen Hyatt played great. He's really stepped it up this year and has continued his good streak. Um, but yeah, like you said, Will, I mean, that's, that's the type of game that a, a Heisman winner puts together, puts the team on his back, uh, using both the air and using his legs. Uh, man, it, it was amazing to watch and boy, am I glad Virginia tech let him go. Yeah, for real. <laughs> And the other thing, too, that was a great game for Ramel Keaton, a guy who I think is the second highest rated recruit on that offense behind Brew McCoy, who was a five star. Yeah, five star. I think, I think Keaton's the highest rated guy after that, if I'm not mistaken. So, and, and he was a guy, you know, you're just waiting for him to finally break out. And he did. He showed yeah. he can be a super valuable part of the offense. And I assume he'll be playing more even when Tillman gets back. Um, which I mean, not that he wasn't really playing, but he wasn't making as big of an impact as he could have been probably, or should have been. So that's good. I think the defense, I mean, the defense was kind of what I expected, like, but at the same time, I think they're the defense is good enough for you to win just about every game on the schedule. Splash plays too. guys like Byron young and, uh, he had some like timely sacks. Yeah, like timely sacks. sacks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just we we got guys that are going to make plays, force turnovers when we really need it. We're we're not going to be a, a Georgia esque type defense where we hold a team to ten points, seven points. That's that's not going to happen. And but, luckily, you have an offense where you don't need that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're going to put up thirty points pretty much every game, no matter what it feels like at this point. Yeah, yeah. That offense dictates. Well, that offense is going to put pressure on your defense anyway. The the way Tennessee runs their offense, because it like they're trying to create as many possessions as possible. Do you know what that means? You have to defend as many possessions as possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's such an easier way to play defense when your opponent gets eight nine possessions a game versus when they get seventeen. Like you're gonna it's it's gonna put you know pressure on your defense. But I mean, you're essentially just saying, look, over the long haul, our offense is better than you. Like we're gonna we're gonna find more ways to exploit you, and they did, uh, and that was kind of the game that Hypel had to win. Like a uh, ten point home favorite versus Florida, that is not gonna happen often. No, where where no. all the factors are just ripe. Like if you can't win that one, you're gonna struggle. But that's the testament to him because most of the last coaches haven't been able to do that. Like they haven't been able to win the games where they should win. Like you lose seventeen games in a series, and Florida hasn't, or you know, Florida has some of those years were really good, but. Some most of them weren't that special. Um, you know, you had some opportunities in there, but they never could do it. Um, I think back, who was like this is just the like Florida does just have had the Vols number, but hopefully hype's the one to kind of break it. Coaches have to be the ones to kind of break those streaks almost. Like it doesn't just flip in the middle of a coach's tenure. Yeah. Um, I don't think. And, you know, and that's see in a similar vein, you know, we're I'm it's easy for me to compare uh, kind of these two rivalries because our teams have both been on the um, kind of lesser end in the past few years, but last year in Pittman's second year, it was really crucial that he beat A&M, you know, pretty soundly and it kind of established like, okay, you know, this is the coach we can kind of uh, take us to the next level in like our bigger rivalry games that the programs that we really, because Tennessee and Florida are like, that's who you compare yourself to. Like if to play them, we want to be on the tier above them. We don't want to constantly lose and be kind of below them because the chances are you're both going to have this year, probably not Tennessee is better. Uh, 
so it's not going to be like they're competing necessarily for spots in the East, but those games matter in the closeness of division standings at the end of the year. And like Florida is a team you want to be competing with, whether it's at the top or whether it's number two, number three, like y'all are kind of the top upper tier programs. Um, so that's who you, that's who the bar is when you're coach at Tennessee, what they always say, you get judged against Georgia, Florida, Alabama, pretty yep. much. Yep. Um, those and those are three teams. monsters. Like that's, that's how Tennessee holds themselves, but they show it time and time again, that when you give them a chance, Tennessee fans filled that place up like crazy, just like bonkers atmosphere. And like, it's not like Florida's and you know, number one team, in the country coming to town. It's like, no, like, just because they're our rival, like we're getting the band together and we're going crazy. Um, we're supporting a winner. People love supporting a winner. It's so easy to fill up 100K when everyone's excited. Oh, yeah. So you don't have to drag people to the stadium. You couldn't, you could hardly, you know, get enough people in the stadium. Um, so it'll be rolling. I mean, the Vols set up a little favorably to stay up there pretty for a good while. Um, yeah. And they'll have a, they'll have, they'll have a big, a big one of Bama coming to town. I mean, if we, um, if, if, they, we if it can get LSU, that crazy, yeah, yeah, LSU on the road. I mean, that's no joke. no wins and no wins in Death Valley are taken for granted at all. Um, no, no road wins in the SEC are taken for granted, um, but there are a few spots that are even a little more difficult to get. Um, I'd say like at LSU is kind of an elusive win. Um, it's quite literally a tiger in <laughs> at Bama. At Bama's tough. And Bryant Denny, yeah. It'd be pretty tough. Um, you know, Arkansas is like I would honestly say kind of Auburn, but we've had decent success down there. In Jordan Hare, that's not an easy place to play. No, it's not. The Jordan Hare magic. Yeah. You know Some what I heard say about Jordan Hare? Yeah. Uh apparently Auburn fans, like I I wasn't aware of this. They always say Jordan Hare. Yeah, that's how it's pronounced, Jordan. Is it really? I never yeah. knew that. Jordan Hare, yeah. Like instead of Jordan, it's Jordan. Yeah, it's spelled Jordan, but it's pronounced Jordan. Yeah, it's huh. a, it's a, uh, la- it's a last name. Nice, good deal. But yeah, no, I mean Tennessee. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. L- LSU is definitely one you cannot take lightly, and they still look decent. Like they look like a pretty solid team. And yeah, going to Death Valley, it does help the Vols that it's during the day. Not from a fan perspective. I think from a fan perspective, you'd like to go to Death Valley at night just because it would be awesome. But that that crowd isn't going to be quite as hostile, I think, at noon. hostile at, at a 7 p.m. game. Yeah, exactly. Just because, I mean, you've been drinking all day and stuff. I mean, and it's LSU at night. There's just something about it. So I think that plays to your favor a little bit. And then you have Bama at at home. Like, I mean, if we beat LSU and are coming back into Knoxville undefeated to play like number one, Alabama and probably close no, to number no, five, no. Tennessee, it'll be Bama, Tennessee. You'd be higher ranked than Bama because because Bama's going to lose to the hogs. <laughs> yep, that's it. Cool. That, that would be how about I mean, number three, Tennessee versus number seven, Bama in Knoxville? That would be a, honestly, how hype would that be? That would be hilarious if Tennessee is ranked ahead of Bama at that point in the season. It not could that be I possible. Will, uh, I'm not banking on it, but that would be something else if you told me. Yeah, number three, Tennessee versus number seven, Bama. That's probably what it, about what it would be. 
gosh. That, I mean, but regardless, that gives me chills energy, thinking about that. The energy on that Saturday is going to be something else. If the it's, it's going to be, I think college game day has to come back to Knoxville again if that happens. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, the I mean, I don't game know what the other sweet. I don't know what like, the rest of the schedule looks like. Uh, obviously, over the nation, but obviously, was watching from far away. So turn on game day and seeing it in Knoxville and just orange all over my screen it was good it was good for the heart to see you know i was i was happy that all the vols were you know happy and having fun and confident it's it's good when your team has confidence you know the yeah. fans induce that too like i know it's it's hard to say you know really how quantitative if you really wanted to get into the deep analytics of like the impact that a crowd can make but a hundred K on your side, just screaming their lungs out is gotta help. <laughs> it's gotta help when they truly believe you can win. Now I, I think a crowd can hurt sometimes when the crowd can get tight. Like you ever, you ever hear like a crowd gets super that nervous tight energy. And yeah. It like, it, well, I think that yeah, happened. Yeah. It's so much nervous. energy That happened this weekend when Florida started coming back. That's yeah. what I heard anyway, was the stadium. People who I heard call into some radio shows were basically saying, you know, it was really loud, obviously. And once you got up 21 or 17, whatever it was, people were feeling, obviously feeling really good. But once Florida scored again, it was just kind of a nervous energy the rest of the time. Yeah. Because they're basically comparing it to that Oklahoma game a few years ago that was the oh, loudest God. in Neyland's history. And they said it didn't – they actually said it didn't compare to that, which is a little upsetting. But, I mean, it's – Yeah, but the game like kind of dictates that too. Like, I don't know, sometimes those games where it's close – like it kind of works it they were never it's never really close late and i think it only gives you nerve like once you see florida start to come back that's cuz the late like late third early fourth is when it can really get probably its loudest when like everyone that's there has locked in and like is really really giving it their all it's like really important <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's different too if you're going back and forth ver- versus mm-hmm. if you're up 17 yeah. and then you let a team start climbing back. It's totally because if it's back and forth, yeah, you're nervous, but there's but you're the like, I are, can have yeah. a real impact on this game right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When it when it's a comeback from behind and it, it does get that nervous. And it's like people, well, there wasn't much to cheer about either because Florida kept yeah. making some plays. Um, so well, it kind of score. Takes, yeah, you didn't score. Yeah. After, you were up thirty-eight to twenty-one, and then you didn't score anymore. So it takes it takes the air out, and that's what you got to do as a visiting team. Luckily, Florida didn't do it early enough. Like you know, some of that would be like, wow, you know, from the jump, everybody was so hyped that like they had the advantage from opening kickoff. Um, so Florida finding kind of way to work through that. But either way, there are different flows to a game that can create like a crowd of excitement. You know, just certain plays can induce more of a like big roar um, and then certain moments can like lead. I think like big third down, fourth down stops. Like that's oh, yeah. when it gets, that's when my favorite is when it's like your team just made a big play on maybe fourth down stop, like late mid fourth quarter. And it just, just gets rolling, just gets booming. And then I think when you escalate, so it's like when you're almost still cheering, you ever been to a game where it's like, you get a fourth down stop and in the first play, you hit like a 50-yard bomb for a touchdown or something like that, like mm-hmm. where you just tack on. So you not only have the crowd up, then you throw on a touchdown, like a bomb play or something like that. And if it there's just a roof, goes it'd be like, blown off. It, yes, it just goes like next level. Oh, it's sick. Uh, that's, why we, that's why we go to so many games and like for moments, like when you do just truly get those moments of elation where it's like, 
<laughs> Dude, that's like, what it, that reminds me of when I went to Nebraska, Missouri back in 20, 2010. And it was this was when Missouri had just beaten number one Oklahoma. They were undefeated, like top 10 team. Nebraska was probably top 15. And this was for what would have been at the time Big 12 North division. Like this was a big game. It wasn't the last one, but it was whoever was won this game would be kind of number one in the division. And I remember first play of the game, Roy Hallou takes the ball 66 yards to the house. And obviously the place went nuts, but then he did it two more times from 50 plus <laughs> yards. Like it was, he, he finished with three Oh seven, which I think is still the record at Nebraska. But yeah, that's, that's immediately where my mind went to because every, like it happened three times and yeah. every time, like it was insane. Yeah, I think a good long pass, like run out. I always like Juwan Jennings play versus Florida is always one of my favorite. I mean, that's yeah. a truly epic one. Breaks forever. It's like because the whole crowd, it's so visible to see. Like the whole crowd sees the ball in the air and sees holds the guy breath. catch, and then yeah, 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 and then see him just running down the sidelines, and then it's just kind of a a continuous roar, and then it's just like a crazy celebration. Yeah, you go from ball in the air, hold your breath. To catch, everyone goes nuts because they see no one's around him. To yeah, it just slowly gets up, and once he crosses the goal line, the whole place is. I think when I was at that game, my little brother pointed out he was like, when that play happened, once he scored, we finished like where we were standing. We finished three rows ahead of where we oh, were. Oh yeah, once the yeah, that's, like, yeah, just that's the kind of stuff. Like, that's the best. Everyone, you start high fiving everybody and like hugging random people in your section. People are just jumping around. Yeah, man. people are just jumping around. Just oh, it is. There are a few moments like that when it's just pure elation. You get eighty thousand, hundred thousand, just on their feet. No, no, there is no care in the world other than in that moment in that whole stadium of any outside event. It's just like pure, <laughs> pure elation. And it's almost never like on a true win. Like it, those moments mm-hmm. happen kind of throughout a game. You never quite know like when something like that could happen. Um, but you kind of got to be building for it. Like you, the whole crowd has to be into it. Like crazy stuff happens all the time. But like if no one cares about the game, no one like goes that crazy. It's like meaningful moments and meaningful games. Um which is just nice that the hogs and, and vols. We've been really heavy hogs and vols tonight, but that's because who, that's who matters in the in the country. Well, this right now. this, who this else past weekend, like yeah, I, I was gonna touch on that to our listeners. Really, this weekend, those were the two kind of premier games. Yeah, yeah. But I do yeah. have to shout out uh, a, I do, uh, another Tennessee yeah, team. I was uh, I was about to go there. True, she'll do it. The Blue Raiders, baby, take down uh, what was it, number twenty five, Miami. Yeah, they're ranked. Um, that is a huge win for for Blue Raider program history. Middle Tennessee State down in the beautiful city of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, man, what a great upset. And like we were talking about before this, Will, MTSU, not really that good of a team this year. Well, the, this was a <laughs> great win. Oh, ever. <laughs> yeah, ever. Uh, they've had some good basketball teams. Uh, but in terms of football, not really ever, ever any good. And what a, uh, a great way to cap off uh, a week where they're going to be retiring Kevin Byard's Jersey as well. The mayor of Murfreesboro, um, he is getting retired, uh, this upcoming game against UTSA. So what a great way to lead into that by getting a huge upset against the Canes, uh, Miami, no good. No. 
Like that's, and that was another one, you know, crystal ball looked like the home run higher and didn't they win their first game pretty handily? Yeah. They got, I think they were up to number 11 or something like that. Number 13, maybe. I mean, they were pretty, they were catching a lot of hype. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying so justified. My text saying him like because they beat Miami and I was like, yeah, Miami was terrible. Yeah, Miami <laughs> is terrible. <laughs> That's true. No, yeah, you're not wrong, but I'm I don't know about Cristobal. Still, this is an odd kind of stretch he's had, but I still think he's going to get Miami pretty good. It's still a year one, right? Yeah, but they weren't. I mean, were they terrible the last couple of years? I no. thought it was kind of a they were kind of mediocre. Yeah, like just, he had enough they to had one team. He had enough to where you're like, oh, he could come in and win a bunch of games in the ACC. Yeah. We'll see. They still got a lot of time left. Uh, they'll probably do decent in the ACC. I mean, probably knock out a few wins. Um, I mean, I think it's far too early to like get rid of Cristobal or like. Yeah. Oh no. I'm, yeah, that. I'm not saying that. I'm just, um, but well, yeah, it, yeah, that is true. It is questionable as to how <laughs> how that tenure is going to play off. Like people don't just get dominated at home. Uh, yeah, dominated at home. Dominated. MTSU. MTSU had pass receptions. Had four pass receptions over sixty-eight yards. I mean, dude, they were 60, literally. Their I think players it was sixty-nine, six, seventy-one, eighty something, and ninety-eight. Like they, they. How can you not stop something like that? That's just a. It was insane. Really like pathetic they, effort. Their receivers were literally just burning the cor- Miami corners. Yeah. Like they just couldn't. I don't understand how MTSU's receivers were just more physical and faster than Miami's players. Like that should not happen. Yeah. I'm expecting MTSU to just run through their conference now. <laughs> like, absolutely. If you can do that to I'm, Miami, I don't even care if Miami was underprepared or like, uh, I don't care. If you can do that to Miami. Like surely you can beat East Tennessee state. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm expecting them to lose to UTSA though this weekend, which UTSA UTS- solid team. Yeah, good program. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw do Texas talk... lost. What was that? Texas lost. Texas lost Texas. to the Red Raiders, baby. Yeah. yeah, Texas Tech. Did you see that uh, fan that came on the field and absolutely Dude. like bodied one of the Texas players? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I did see that. I thought you were about to say the horns down thing to the mascot, and I was going to say, do you know who that was? Who was it? Uh, Dana Beers or something? Yeah, it was Dana Beers. Yeah, I was about to say, I knew he was at the game. That. God. I just thought that was hilarious. And then Caleb angry. Presley and Theo Vaughn, uh, Gatorade bathing Hypel as well. Yes, dude. dude. All about, right. Hey, how about Theo being there? Well, that's awesome. I gotta say, I gotta say something. If I was a coach and two randos, I would be pissed. I would be pissed. I would say I, I gave you access to my sidelines. Like y'all have hung out. Y'all, you cannot do that. Like if my players choose to do that, my players that I go to war with choose to do that i will accept my but you are not coming here just to do that so some fool with a camera can run around and watch you like this is my job like y'all are here partying watching what i do like that's that's honestly didn't even react to them doing that and i mean everything definitely didn't even know who it was who did it that's it's definitely just chaos and like and it's i'm not like I don't really care like it's on and like the video's funny but i agree with you i put myself in hypo's like I would, I would be pretty irritated. Those guys aren't like no. close to the Tennessee program. Like it's not. He probably casually shook their hands one time, like you know, early Friday or Saturday morning or something, um, and was just like, you know, thanks for coming by. But it's Gatorade cool. 
like go for it. But you know, these random internet dudes, guys, for con- I mean, I respect it was good. It was scenes, absolute scenes, but um, not yeah. the time and place. Yeah, I agree. With that. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, good cost of victory. Like if you know people are get, like. I guess we can move on on over. We'll do a little Titans talk. First win. First win. We're not going to go winless, so that's good. The Raiders are the only winless team right now in the NFL. Yeah. Which is crazy. Raiders shouldn't be, dude. That team's too good. That team's too good. Their defense is pretty bad. Winless. Yeah, but you still got Max Crosby. Like, they're secondary. You got good enough bad. players. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not their defense is bad, but I'm that's what I'm saying. You have good enough players. Um, so that's just on Josh McDaniels. And this guy is a scrub. Like, let's can we just call a spade? He's not a, spade. a head coach. He's five and he's just not a head coach in the NFL. He's just an OC. He just doesn't have it somehow. I always think like football's big enough. You have to be the head coach. Like, yeah, you don't even and you don't catch as much pressure. Blame no, either. not at all. And I'll Todd Downing catches fair bit of fair bit of and I'll never I'll never stop complaining about Todd Downing. Yeah, I mean, he still didn't look like we had zero points in the second half this game. Like <laughs> still I hate Todd Downing. He's a like absolute idiot. Like my God, dude. And our offensive line looks so, so bad. We we said it before the or Which, I said it before we hopped on here. The Titans can still win this division, but it's going to be – they're just going to have to game it, like, it's gonna really be hard. Yeah, it's going to be gonna, ugly. They're going to win a ton of games, 23 to 19 – or 24 yes. to 22. Like, like that's just exactly how we're going to – we're going to have two – yeah, we're going to have a couple of good games where we really fire on all cylinders. We, we, we score, it, like, 38. Yeah, we, we score, like, 32 points. <laughs> we really hit on all cylinders. And then the rest are going to be, yeah, 17 to 16 victories. Oh, I, like, I can be – I can see us beating the Texans 13 to 11 or something just, like, just, just so – Disgusting. Yeah, but uh, – Which is what we used to live for. Yeah, yeah that, that is kind of actually ideal identity. for the Titans. The Titans got too exciting for a while. I need to be able to like take a nice nap in the mid second quarter, just knowing that I'm not going to miss any offensive production or anything. You're going to wake right. up to the same score. Most <laughs> you're going to be missing Ryan Stonehouse, like literally destroying every punting record in the NFL though. He is insane. <laughs> best best uh, move. I mean, like out of that was a hard decision. I guess you could say. I will say his he's on pace to break the record for the highest um, punting average, like punting yard average in a season. But like he is, he is not doing a uh, a great job of pinning them within the ten, pinning them within the five. Like he's got the boot, but he still doesn't quite have the touch yet. Yeah, but it's really good because a lot of times I feel like we're punting from our <laughs> end zone. So. Yeah. So, which is huge because he can he can literally boot at eighty yards. Like, yeah, it's that was the right move. It's ridiculous. People that got might even so, be the like, move. Like, if we if we're on our own twenty or something, and it's like we got some penalties or something, it's third and fifteen. It's like, hey, why don't we just back it up a little more so he can? Like, as a franchise, we mourned the loss. Like, we we used you a ton. Our offense has been a bad. You went ahead and just. You went ahead and just locked up your guy for the next 15 years. So um, it's encouraging sign. Our offense is stagnant. Our defense is susceptible. Um, I mean, our DBs are getting sunned. 
they are getting mossed yeah. on a regular basis. They're like whoever that wide. I don't even. I didn't even know that guy coming into the game, and that's a little bit on me. No, I didn't know him either. But uh, and he's absolutely looks like prime Randy Moss on every single play against all of our receiver or all of our defensive backs. What is going? Like, what are we doing? Sometimes, sometimes, not all of them. Christian Fulton's good. I think Caleb Farley's kind of lost. If he was going to be good, he'd be good. Uh, Roger McCurry might be kind of a dog. I I don't know. I still, he is too early to tell. Kevin Byard's good, um, obviously. So it's like we have enough pieces to be pretty good, but. Yeah, no. What? A win's a win. This this upcoming stretch is just absolutely. Just win. Yeah, literally, that's it. Yeah. Because what yeah. what do we have? What's that little stretch look like? Seth, so we you mentioned it. Play at the Colts. So first division game at the Colts, and then the Commanders at home. Home. So winnable games before our bye week. We have win. an early bye. Um, we so we've already dropped. You know, we've already dropped a few early. Um, one of which a really bad loss. So it puts a little more effort. The division is all that matters, really. So the Colts game is the the Colts on the road is theoretically the hardest division game too. We're gonna have to play theoretically. Jags pro- look better actually at this point in time, but still, like going to Jacksonville is that ever gonna really intimidate you? No. Um. Anyway, no. so at the Colts this week is a huge chance to get a big leg up, um, in the division, and that's all that matters. If we win the division, we get to host a playoff game, and so you know what? That's pretty awesome. Let's get that division title. Yeah, you laid it out. It, it starts to if you win these next two, you're three and two. Whole new season, you know. Whole, yeah, you're three and two. You're one and zero in the division, and things are. And you're going to your bye week. Like, all right, like we're 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 self, you know, centered. I think that people got a little out of hand. The week two loss was so bad that people just got out of hand at just like how long. Um, kind of Mike. Vrabel's track record um, in the early seasons haven't necessarily always been pretty, but he, you put yourself in a position to play well down the stretch and then, you know, hopefully into the playoffs with the chance. Yeah. And the, the big part of that too, is I don't think if, if you would have won the first game, it also wouldn't have been, even if you get crushed the next game, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Yeah. yeah. You have a long season, but also, and I, I was really upset, obviously, and I was like, we're not good. And I still don't think we're that good. Yeah, we're, not, we're not good. I'm not even saying we're good yet at all. Yeah. But well, and I'm not expecting we... a playoff run or anything. And I, But I wasn't before the season either. So that's that. I think a lot of people didn't really put that into perspective. It's like, look, this season's going to be ugly. Like, yeah, we can win the division, and we still can. That's totally on the table. Just don't expect anything really past yeah. that. But that may be when we get past it, you know. Yeah. Bengals weren't really <laughs> supposed to go to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, seriously. Yeah, no, they weren't. And they, they their offensive it. line is probably worse than ours. So, yeah, their offensive line they made it despite, but they had a guy a playmaker at quarterback. You know, actually, With Ryan Tannehill still not necessarily a playmaker. He's a throw maker. When like look he, at the receivers he was thrown to too. Yeah, he has yeah, Jamar better, Chase yeah, and T Higgins. Like, yeah. Hey, Robert Woods looked pretty good the other night. He did. He had a he had a productive day. They actually threw the ball to the receivers a few times. It's just frustrating me. Like, we have had so little receiver targets as a whole. It's it's almost like I bet I want to look at the list. I, I'm sure that's a stat out there I could find, but 
least actual receiver targets. The Bears are way down there because I don't know what they're doing when Justin Fields doesn't even throw the ball. Is Darnell Mooney like still their their best uh, receiver? I don't. I don't know. even know who the Bears have, and Justin Fields is horrible. I don't know uh, what's what's his face. The backup running back, hurt. Is it Herbert? Oh, Khalil Herbert. Yeah, he went off this week. Yeah. At least in but, fantasy. <laughs> so positive to see. I saw Austin Hooper had a catch too. Um, good to see the pieces that we should yeah, be working. It's almost in. like if we quit targeting Working. Jeff Swain, like our receiving yards went up. Wow. I do think it's Big funny. Surprise. Like Jeff Swain is the end zone target, apparently. They love throwing him the swing pass. I guess it's if you throw a Hooper in, maybe the defense is thinking, oh, they're definitely gonna pass it. I don't know what maybe that's like your disguise a little bit but yeah i kind of find that funny that like hooper's not catching any touchdowns unless it's a seam route or something because yeah. we're gonna have swaim in there on the goal line and just throw him the little swing pass every time they uh they used henry in the passing game more than i have that seen was nice in his whole career like they were throwing and it to wasn't him just lot. screens either no like it wasn't it was, it was good i mean he was effective it got him going on the ground i feel like too like Get him running and hitting some people and getting in space a little bit. Um, you know, he didn't have a preseason. He really didn't play much last season, the last down the stretch. Um, we were quick to just kind of write him off like, oh, yeah, not the same King Henry, but I still think he's got a lot. Of, he's still an elite. We got to remember Hen- Henry season's about six weeks away. It's dude. not even close to D Hember yeah, yet. It's not close to D Hember yet. Yeah. We're like 10 weeks away from D Hember. Well, from D Hember. Yeah. I'm talking at least like November yeah. once it gets a little chilly. November. And then it gets a lot harder to, to tackle Derrick Henry. It starts hurting a little bit more once it gets yeah. cold out there. And he's, yeah, he gets, he gets so much better with like the more he gets hit. It's amazing. He just powers up. I think that's what he does. He literally takes the players that hit him. He takes their power. Like, you hit him and he like gains your strength. The strength that you lose by hitting him, it's like infuses into him. <laughs> so like by the fourth quarter, he's taken all of your strength and it made him that much stronger. And he did it's have like a couple that, of he had a couple of good runs too. If he yeah, finally looked yeah. he had 85 yards. Yeah, he, so, I mean a really yeah. productive day. Um, it was awesome to see just him get active and be a weapon in the offense because that's what he is. And we, we do need Derrick Henry to be a beast to be a good offense. Our offense is built is still built around him. I think that's what people are frustrated. And so when he looks bad or he doesn't have a 200 yards rushing or 150 yards rushing, then our offense looks terrible. Yeah. Because you built your whole offense around a running back. And the, that is a critic of like, this isn't 1785. Like no one really builds their offense around a running back, but they still think it can be effective enough. And at times it looks effective enough, but um, we don't, it's like the same offense we were running a few years ago. It just isn't as effective somehow. And I really don't think it's the players are a big, huge downgrade. I think it's play calling, like calling the right plays. You can even call the same plays, but your sequencing of the play calls is what really affects the uh, effectiveness of them. You could call the same 10 plays, but you call them in the wrong order and the defense knows what's coming every time. I feel like we used to have a really good element of kind of surprise, not not even just surprise, but just unpredictability in our offense that just seems so lacking at this point. Um, it's just so obvious what we're doing all the time. If it is second and 10, I don't know what the percentage is, but we have run 99% of the time, I have to think. Like, I, I seriously have to think. And if you know that tendency is so strong, 
it's so much easier to stop it. So now, so now you put yourself in third and 10 and then it's like, well, you know, maybe we have a 50, 50 chance maybe of completing a pass. Yeah. Um, to get the I, have first some, down. I have it's, some interesting stats here kind of relaying into that Seth. So the offensive efficiencies ranking by half. Um, so on first down, uh, we have we're second overall in expected uh, yards per average, six in success rate, third in expected yards per average, eleventh. Er, excuse me, third in pass expected yards, eleventh in rush expected yards. You go to second down, we're last in the league in expected yards per play. We go from second to last between first and second down. If I. I'm on the couch. I'm diagnosing your off, like our offense. It's just a bad sign. Like I'm doing that's bad. Yeah, no, you're right. Like if I know, <laughs> just it's just an anemic, bad, poorly, poorly planned out offense. Well, not maybe not even planned out. I saw the stat too, or our first like so they call the first like t- 15 plays of the game or so scripted plays. Uh, essentially, it's kind of like your game plan going in. These are your like. 15-ish or so plays that you think are will work or, or whatever. Fairly scripted. Um, and we're the first – we're number one in the league in, like, the first 15 plays in effectiveness and all that kind of stuff. And after that, we're, like, twi- like I don't know exactly the stat, but it was, like, you went from number one, kind of like you are saying, like, first <laughs> – and then first down success versus overall success were, like, 29th so you get past those and you have no flow of the game that's what I really feel like Tom Downing is missing it's like he doesn't have the play call flow of the game it's like yeah he probably can dial up some good plays obviously like we've scored on our, our Every, first yeah, time, yeah, all, I think three. all three games yep. which is which is crazy impressive um but it's that yeah that's the more frustrating part it's like yeah obviously we're capable how are we not doing things you know you had those plays scripted out well, now you got to actually call plays in the rhythm of a game and still be effective. Or maybe they don't vary from those 15 plays. It's like, all right, you know, we have our good plays and we run the same group of like eight plays over and over and over again. You just know what's coming. People seem to – I think that's really, at the end of the day, they know what's coming. Well, it's like you said, yeah, if you and me know what's going to happen, imagine what a defender who's been studying game film for a week – yeah, who is has a higher, much higher football IQ probably than some of us like is gonna know. I would say I mean, certainly, not probably. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not. No, let's let's, not, let's not. There's cut some down dumb on the dudes out there that are that are. Dude, you football. cannot make it to the NFL if you yeah, had our NFL, level of knowledge the, of yeah, football. Not, not in the NFL. They're pretty. You cannot make it to the NFL if you had our level of knowledge of football. There's no way. I don't know. Yeah, put me out there. I know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, played I, quite like a few snaps if, of football. Think about it. If you're an edge rusher, like you don't really need to have a high football IQ. Like yeah, you contain, yeah, contain just, every single time. Every player only has like one job, really. I mean, like you could just know what to do as a cornerback, but you have no real football. Like I know the technical skills to play cornerback. And yeah, you obviously in the NFL, you played so much football. You understand that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Could keep philosophers busy kind for of, a while. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like the uh, <laughs> you know it was always a funny argument in sports is like the clutch gene. 
I always thought that was like the funniest thing to like talk about um, because it's kind of is true. It's like you're trying to put a name to something that is really hard to like put your finger on what exactly it is. It's like, oh, does this guy have the clutch gene? <laughs> it's just a funny, it's a funny way to try to think about, you know, a guy that's capable of making a last shot. It's just confidence. I, I think it really at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, it's just, just like confidence, confidence and staying cool and collected in big moments. Being but some people, no pressure. people have the confidence. Just some people have all the confidence, and it's just just like misplaced. Like they shouldn't be confident in themselves to make game winners or something. Like, like they need J. to put them on somebody else's hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems like one of the guys I'm exactly thinking of. It's like, yeah, that guy thinks he has the the clutch gene, but <laughs> he just needs to give it to LeBron. <laughs> Dang. I just, I always, when it comes to J.R. Smith, I always think of that one play against the Warriors where. Oh, in the finals. So yeah, you talk about basketball. Hey, talk, you talk about awareness. Like you, we were talking about football awareness a second ago. Talk about a guy not having basketball awareness. Like you're in the finals, like game, game one of the finals. All you had you, to do was put it, put up a wide open layup and you just dribble it. I'd like, that was so bad. Yeah. Still. Still a high-level player, but basketball awareness, yeah. maybe I not. J.R. Smith could smoke me one-on-one. I know that. <laughs> but you wouldn't have made that play. Well, yeah. I, I would have gotten absolutely denied by Kevin Durant <laughs> at the rim is what would have happened. <laughs> like, I would have gotten that rebound, shit myself, and then had no like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, getting off topic here. Um, Titans, good win. Ugly. And needed we it. Still... Had to have that one. Had, you literally, had, if you go to zero and three, our season we schedule, are not making it's the playoffs. Over. It's over. There, I think there had only been like two teams in NFL history to start zero and three, um, and make the playoffs. There was like, and it was even I was saw some stat to start zero and two. There was like four hundred something teams, and only like thirteen of them had made the playoffs. I saw like, I want to say like sixteen percent or something made the playoffs. Maybe I was looking at a different stat, but I'm pretty sure it was like really small. Yeah. I didn't want to mention that stat that uh, Reese sent us. Oh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Where was it? Oh, yeah. Here it was. Trevor Lawrence beat the Chargers to become the second QB in the common draft era to start his career with nine road losses and then win his 10th road start. The other QB that we've heard the comparison a lot to was Peyton Manning who won his 10th road start in week three of his second NFL season over the San Diego Chargers. So both over the Chargers. Yeah. It's kind of like it was, it was uh, something in the stars aligned. <laughs> I also noticed something else someone pointed out, uh, how everyone will take a rookie quarterback who threw the most interceptions and always bring up Peyton Manning. But I think Peyton that year was also top five in yards and touchdowns that his rookie year as well. Yeah. So maybe we can pump the brakes. Well, Peyton Manning also a just ton of picks. played a ton and threw a ton. Like what was and expected? He was on a pretty bad Colts yeah. team too to start his career. Yeah, he was, oh, no, there was no, a lot I'm expected of him from the jump. People love to be like, well, Peyton threw the most picks. Like they did that with Jameis, I think, his rookie year. <laughs> and I was and like, all right, Jameis that does. doesn't mean he's going to be Peyton Manning. <laughs> Jameis that 30 touchdown 30 interception season was one that was epic 
Was it just 30 one of the thirty? Yeah, dude. Honestly, yeah, wait, the greatest thirty. I, I mean, he was, might, yeah, he might. I think he had a few I, more. I thought touchdowns. it was forty and forty. Oh, no, it was thirty-three my. touchdowns to thirty interceptions. I remember it. It I was re- okay. I remember watching that last interception live to get to thirty. Just, I think it was a pick six, like first the Bucks, or no, he was playing for the Bucks. I think it was pick six, maybe even. I can't remember who it was. The yeah, Panthers, I don't know. I think, but that was just so funny to watch him complete that because he does like he would put up crazy stats, crazy big numbers, and then just throw three picks like every. It's <laughs> just so consistently have so many turnovers. Dude, he was great on hard knocks. That Tampa Bay Bucks season of hard knocks, he was so entertaining. He's Which, crazy. He's a he's a he's amazing. He's so entertaining. Yeah, as just as a human being. He's hilarious. He is. And I think everyone kind of loves him. Yeah. I think. I don't want to speak for everyone, but he seems pretty likable. And he's on the Saints, like, unless I guess you hate the Saints, like his yeah. all of his interviews after games are always hilarious, and you have no idea he's what he's just, gonna say. He's a ridiculous person overall. His workouts are ridiculous. He, like the way he hypes up his team is ridiculous. The way he conducts himself outside of football is ridiculous. Well, the way he like plays his statistics, like, the way he yeah, throws, the way he <laughs> the way he just like plays the game of football is ridiculous. It's amazing. It's his one of one. There, there are there are so few that are truly one of one. Jameis, Jameis, one of one. Yeah, famous Jameis. All right, I think I think we can uh, close it out on that note, guys. Thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out. Sixpackcoverage.com at sixpackcoverage on all the socials. Check us out at paydirt underscore sports on Twitter, at paydirt sports on Instagram, and the website paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we'll see y'all next week. Paydirt out. Beat Bama. Beat Bama. Beat Bama.